Good. How many of you, are, are any of you uh, tired of Christmas, Christmas, Christmas music yet? Anybody out there? Are you all still really enjoying it? Yeah, I would recommend the uh, Michael Bublé album, Christmas album from 2011 that has uh, saturated our house. And, uh, I, man, it's my favorite. I have to just confess, that's my favorite style. Like those, those crooner types, you know, like this Frank Sinatra's of the world. Uh, yeah, man, Michael Bublé, he's the real deal. So I encourage you to go get that album. And uh, I don't get royalties or anything from it. I wish I did. But, um, but yeah, go ahead and go get that. It's fantastic. Hey, a couple of announcements just real quick. Uh, so today, on, when you came in, you had the year-end offering envelope on your chair. And this is something we've been talking about for the last, uh, last few weeks. Uh, it's something that we have uh, been, we've, it's been a part of Vintage really from the beginning. Uh, and this year, obviously, there are three things that we were giving to. We're giving to our future facilities. Obviously, God's growing us and doing things. So we're setting aside money for that. Sons and daughters in India and local outreach initiatives. Again, I know Randall last week put up, put, put up some pictures. We have that. There's seven, uh, seven children from Karube home, uh, who will be, who are serving. Yeah, this is just a few of them right here. Uh, this is, you see Gopi on the far left. You see, uh, that's his wife, um, uh, Marita, yeah, whatever her name is. I can't remember. Sorry. Uh, she wasn't part of the home. Anyway, Kumar, uh, Kiran, and, uh, that's, uh, Bhuvanese uh, on the, uh, right next to Tammy. And also Arjun, uh, Santia, and, uh, I can't remember. There's one more who's gone out to the home. But anyway, we, we want to come alongside. They have no idea that we're going to come alongside and bless them this year. Uh, so we're excited to come alongside them and do that. We really believe in what they're doing. Obviously, we are part of, we are a, a, a group that plants churches here at Vintage. That's our, our dream and our desire moving forward in those ways. And so it's exciting to do it locally. It's also very exciting to see people doing it internationally, literally going to unreached people groups in India, people who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love Indians reaching other Indians. It's just a powerful thing. And so we want to come alongside and encourage them. And, uh, and do that can be fantastic. So when we take up our regular offering today, so here's how it's going to work, just so you know in advance. You're going to write a check, and you're going to put it inside the envelope if you want it to be year-end offering, okay? You are, and that's above and beyond your regular offering. Then your regular offering that you give, that kind of goes just, just towards the life of vintage, you'll put that inside the basket, right? So if it's, if it's in the basket, it's going towards, it's in the basket without an envelope around it, it's going towards regular offering at vintage. If it's in a year-end offering... It goes towards one of these three things, okay? So y'all go ahead and know that later when we, when I invite you to come forward to take communion into service and you put your offering here, that's what you're doing, okay? Is everybody cool with that? Everybody, all right, everybody, and I know half of you are like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot the year-end offering was today. That's fine, right? That's why it's called a year-end offering. So you have until the end of the year to get it in, right? So you can take your envelope home, you can pray about it, you can bring it next week, and again, if you put that envelope into the basket, we will be good to go, okay? So fantastic. That's, uh, we'd love for you to do that. Now, the second thing is this, and I do want to say this. Yeah, one of the things that we talk about at Vintage is, is we talk about being family. And one of the beautiful pieces that whenever we hold up children uh, during a, a, a dedication at Vintage, right, all of us commit to come alongside of, of the children at Vintage, to disciple them, to mentor them, that kind of stuff, right? And so one of the primary ways or the primary way of doing that at Vintage, obviously, is through our Vintage Village. And so I know a lot of of you received an email a couple of weeks ago from Lori McMath saying, hey, here's where we are, parents. If we want you to come in, we want you to, we'd love you to come in in at least one month, right? Four weeks, four services out of the year. We would love for you to come and to serve in the village. We had two people respond to that. Two parents, that's it. 
And so I want you to know that there is still a great opportunity. I know a lot of you are just waiting to sign up, right? With bated breath, you can't wait because you love your children, you love my children, and you want to disciple them because they need it. So I'm really excited for the opportunity that you have, as she put in her email, to come and to do that just for this four services out of the year. So I want to encourage you, if you have not done that yet, I want you to do that. I want, listen, uh, Harvest is taking the entire month of June and doing that in one of the services. Randall and I are doing it one month out of the year. So it's the entire month. I'm not going to be preaching. Someone's going to be preaching. So I'm going to be serving Scott Crawford. It will be taking one, one month, one service out of the entire, uh, out of the entire year and serving back there alongside of Timothy Parker. So the idea is if we're able to do this, guess what? So can you. We're taking off the entire, the entire month. I'm not going to be preaching the entire month. You won't see Scott. Randall won't be doing announcements. It's going to be great, right? And so we're asking you just to follow our lead, to step up and find some time to serve back. And there's just four services out of the entire year. John Perry, would you say it's changed your life doing that? Give a shout out. Amen. Shout out. Amen, John. Amen. There you go. Right. And so here's the deal. I mean, John has changed his life. I'm telling his story. But listen, he shot me this email and said, this has changed my life. Literally, they said, well, your preaching was okay, right? Meeting with you one-on-one for a few months was fine, right? But the thing that changed my life was, was, was ministering to the children. And literally, right? He didn't really put the first two pieces in there, but, but that's what happened. And so I want to encourage you to make, do that. Bless our children. Be a part of it. Uh, it's an exciting, exciting opportunity. And, and listen, I've said before, it's not, listen, everyone hear this. My, don't ever say this to me ever again. I want you to hear me say this. I know that I should not be saying this, but I'm saying anyway. Don't ever say to me, well, working with children is not my calling. Then you should never have had children, right? Because you've been called to raise up and disciple children. It's not our calling. It's our responsibility. Everyone say it's not a calling. It's a responsibility, Fantastic, right? You saw Lori Deal right there. She said that loud and proud, okay? So please, everyone, make, t- listen, I want you to have the opportunity of being blessed and serving the children, okay? So the two things I'm asking you to do, year-end offering, you're prepared for it, and when you leave here, I will give you my computer and you can sign up for something. You can, or you can go talk to Lori, let's just make that happen and pick a time a week out of this year that you can make that happen, it'd be great. Okay. Well, hey, listen, we've been talking about this, uh, this, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about this, like, stepping into Advent, stepping into Christmas season, stepping into the holidays. We talked about, we talked the first about worshiping fully and being a people who fought with all of our energies to make this season about Jesus and of worshiping Jesus and of, and of knowing Jesus, right? We talked, uh, Timothy last week did a fantastic, I listened to it on podcast of, about, about, about spending less, right? about spending less, spending less of your time, your energy and resources on things that don't matter, right? And this week we're talking about giving fully or giving more, right? Giving more. Now, I, now like a lot of you, I, I remember growing up and how much, I just remember how much I loved receiving gifts, right? I loved receiving gifts. Like, like every kid, I couldn't wait for Christmas morning. I couldn't wait. Literally, I'd get excited. I couldn't sleep the night before, like every single one of us, right? Because my parents had created an environment, right? My parents had created an environment of innocent selfishness. 
and, and, and I would say, and I say that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there is, listen, my parents worked hard to create a, an innocent selfishness inside of me because why? They loved watching me celebrate Christmas. It was, it was purely selfish on their part to create an innocent selfishness in me because what they wanted, like all of us as parents want, is our, our children to wake up on, on Christmas morning, come running down, start jumping up with this glee and joy, and just hugging us incessantly, telling us how great Santa Claus is and how great, our, and how great we are, right? Right? We want that. We want that, that moment of just, oh. And so in that, there's just this beautiful, beautiful, innocent selfishness that I used to live in as a kid. And my parents used to love it. And to be honest with you, we love it. Right? Randall and I, like when our girls come down, like we want them to enjoy Christmas. Right? We don't want them to say, this is the worst day ever. We don't want that, right? We want this to be a day of joy. We want this to be a day of, of, of giving and receiving gifts. But I'll never forget when I was in college, yes, it took me that long to get to the point where I actually took this, took this turn in Christmas. You see, as being an only child, which I am, I'm not sure how many of you know that, right? I'm an only child, right? It's crazy. I'm so selfless. And so, but, but, but back in the day, I was completely selfish, right? So, so everything about Christmas, at least in my family, and I thought my extended family too, was all about me. My grandparents came for me, right? My aunts and uncles came for me. Like, hey, where's the gift? I would literally, I remember going, this is my, my grandmother told the story the other day. She's 87 years old with dementia, living in a nursing home. And she, I'll never forget, she sat there and she said, Well, I remember when Steve used to come to our house. And the first thing he would do at Christmas, he would run in and look under the tree. True story. I would, I would run in, I would bypass them, right, like a whirlwind and start digging under the tree. And they would put the gift always in the back to make me work hard for it, right? So, so literally, I'd come in, that's what I would do. But I'll never forget that year that something shifted. I don't know if I, I don't know if you remember your year, like that year where like I've had my, like I had a job, right? So I had some money for the first time and, and I decided this, like, and I literally had one of those moments of, huh, well, like everyone always gets me stuff. I wonder if they want something in return, right? Man, it's not just about me. There's other people in the world. I was like 21 years old when this happened, right? It was really funny. But I literally had this moment. And so so I'll never forget, I, I, this Christmas I decided I'm going to take about $300. I set it aside. And I'm going to buy gifts for my family. Now, I didn't have brothers and sisters, so it was just, like I said, only child. Like, it was just my mom and my dad. And I bought gifts for, for, my, for, my, for my, my grandparents. And I remember... I remember this, the, the joy, uh, like, and it wasn't like, I just, it wasn't like the, uh, I'm just going to run real quick and get something, right? It was, no, like I thought through every gift. I mean, literally every single one of them. I remember I bought, I don't remember what, I, I bought my dad something to do with fishing. I can't remember what it was, that I'll be honest with you, but I remember it was something that we could do together, right? I remember buying my mom uh, a birdhouse because she loved birds. And I will say this to you just kind of as an aside, God, and this is a definite aside, but keep it in mind. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'll never forget. She opened it and began to weep. And I said, I'm sorry, what did I do? And she just said, she said, God just confirmed something prophetically through this gift you just bought me. And I can't share it with you. But thank you. Right? And I was like, 
that's awesome, right? That was a gift, and it's prophetic in nature. God's speaking to her through it, right? It's great. So then we go to my, never, never forget, I bought my grandfather some sort of tool. I was a little harder to buy gifts for your older grandfather. But anyway, I bought him a tool, right? But I remember I bought my grandmother on my dad's side. I remember I bought her a, a, a book. I went to a bookstore. And they had, like, in a case, and they had, like, these collector's items. And it was a book by Celestine Sibley. Those of you who read the AJC back in the day, remember, remember she was this editorialist, right? And she wrote these great editorials. They were beautifully written. She was a fantastic writer. And she was really the icon of a Southern woman, right? A strong, excuse me, a strong, independent Southern woman. And I just loved the things that she wrote. And so I, literally, I remember I saw the book, and I remember, like, it's, it's like $50, but I'm going to, I, I want to get this from my grandson. I remember buying it. I remember, and, it had a, and she had actually signed the front of it. It was somebody else's name, but that's okay, right? It was like somebody else's name, and it was from Celestine Sibley. And so I, I bought it, got it, wrapped it up, and I'll never forget. I mean, the entire time we're there, I did not run in this year. Like, I, I looked under the tree because my grandparents enjoyed it. So I looked at her like, hey, 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 but here's the gift I bought you, right? Because I was so excited about what I was giving her. And then never forget, like, I, I got giddy on the inside. I remember, I remember, I remember, like, I, I, I'm the guy who likes to savor the best for last. And so I'm like over there, give my grand, get my grandpa, all this kind of stuff. And I go, hey, everybody, hold on a second. Grandma. Like, I'm about to outdo everybody in the room, basically, right? And I get the gift, and I walk it over to her and says, I want you to know, I, I spent more on you than anybody else, right? There I am receiving my glory. But, but like, I spent more on you than anybody else because I love you. And I just want you to know I appreciate everything that you've done for me, right? And I hand her the gift, and she opens it up, and, and it was just this, like, great moment of joy for her and hugs all around, and right? And I remember this Christmas because there was something so dynamic about it and this shift that took place in my heart that literally Christmas changed forever, you know what I mean? Because in that moment, I matured from my innocent selfishness that maybe had turned into an unhealthy selfishness, right, to a guilty, a guilty you know, selfishness, to now the selflessness of recognizing that it's, it truly is better to give than to receive, right? That I found my greatest joy in, in bringing joy to someone else, right? That, that I, I cared more about someone else's feelings and what they needed than than, than what I needed, right? And, and all of a sudden, I recognized that something had shifted inside of me. There was a maturing that had happened, and really what it was maturing into was a, was a truer understanding about the nature of what the heart of Christmas had been all about. And you all know it, right? It's like it's not rocket science. Talk about J- Christmas is, is and always has been about Jesus. It can't be anything about anything else because whatever was the source of a celebration has to be eternally what it's about, right? And so, so Christmas has always and will always be about, about Jesus and the coming of Jesus. And we sing it, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us, right? Modeling for us the selfless gift of himself and his life in place of our death, right? His joy in the midst of our hopelessness, right? All of these pieces that he's coming to bring in the moment, there was a shift. And in that moment, I began to understand, I began to have the opportunity to understand the nature of Christmas about being giving 
about giving and this heart of, of giving more. See, that's what we want to focus on again this morning, giving more, right? This idea of giving more, finding our, our model in Jesus. Because in the model, right, what did he do? His gift, well, he gave himself fully. He gave himself fully to us. He gave himself fully to you. He gave himself fully to me. He gave himself fully to all of us. He gave the best of himself. That's kind of how I want you to, to, to interpret when I say give more. I want you to hear me say that he gave the best of himself. And the idea of giving more is not more stuff, but it's giving of the heart and the best in the fullness of who he was. And also in our gift giving the best and the fullness and the, and the best of who we are. That's what we mean of giving more. That we are this Christmas to be a people who are giving more. What does that mean? It means in all that we're doing, we're giving fully, right? Giving the best of ourselves. I want us to think of it into the lens of giving the best of ourselves this Christmas. So in all that you're doing, in every relationship that you're in, in every gift expectation that someone has of you, the question that you have and the people that you're around is, okay, God, what does it mean to model Jesus? You gave more by giving the best of yourself, by giving the fullness of yourself. God, what does it mean this Christmas for me to receive, listen, for me to, one, receive the fullness of Jesus, God with us, What does it mean to receive? Have I ever received the fullness of Jesus at Christmas, right? And what does it mean then in return, in the model that you've given us, to to give the best of ourselves in the primary relationships or even secondary relationships or the non-relationships that we have? Because I don't know about you, but there are people that I meet that I know that I've never met before that God's telling me to give my life to. And so what does it mean then to shift from this, this, self, this innocent selfishness that defines our lives at Christmas to more of a selfless giving all, giving the best of ourselves to those that we're around? So in making this shift, I want you to look at two verses, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. that kind of brings us to the true heart and nature of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Today... In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Everybody say you. Okay, you. Just, yes, he is Christ the Lord, right? So get the picture. Angels speaking, right? They've been preparing for generations, ages, maybe thousands of years for this grand moment. They come on the scene expecting the world to be sitting in front of them possibly. And there are a couple, like Timothy said last week, lowly shepherds, shepherds of, uh, listen, they were, they were like Modern day thieves in this, this present age, right, that they were living in, right? They were, they were not of the high class. They were low class. They were nobodies in culture. And this is who Jesus, the angels come to, right? Jesus is proclaimed to these, these, these present day thieves and these shepherds, like, hey, and it goes on and says, listen, shepherd, and the tent of David has been born to you. It's a very personal in nature. And so we celebrate at Christmas then the personal nature of the gift of Jesus. There is a, a, an, an, a, a, an innocent selfishness in us receiving. And you know what I mean in that? Like, I want Jesus all to myself. I want all of him. I want to be with him, right? We can celebrate that. That is fine, right? He has been born to you. 
Jesus came to earth, a very personal gift. And so we can celebrate this year, this Christmas, this very personal gift to us. God is with me. God is with you. But you can't, you can't, also, you can't forget the nature of you also being us, right? So this morning, if I stood up and said, hey, I want to invite all of you to worship with me this morning. I've said you personally as it relates to us, right? And so that's why we get Matthew one twenty three: The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So you means you, as in me, you, right? And you means us, as in us, you. And so this nature of Christmas then has this, this understanding that we, we receive fully, that we've been given to fully, right? All of Jesus, all for us, God with you individually and all that he has. We celebrate individually because of the work of Jesus in our lives, of him being with us, as in you. But it's also this corporate nature, this, this bigger than self nature. That God is with you as in you, us, you plural, right? That God is the God of, of the world. And so there's a nature then that we, that, we, that we celebrate God with me, but we also celebrate God with us, the world, broken and missing. Because, see, here's the problem for many of us. It's very, very easy to become introspective in in the holiday seasons, right? My family, my time, my schedule, right? My gifts, my whatever it may be. It's very easy to become us, me focused or like individual family focused. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's God with me. But we can't ever forget. And what we have to dive into is that moment of maturing like I had when I was 21 years old that all of a sudden my blinders fall off and I recognize that it's Emmanuel God with you us plural that God is with the world and it's not just it's not just good news for me it's not just good news for us right four walls but it's good news for the world And you're going, this is not rocket science, Steve. I know all of this. It's why I celebrate that Randall, what Randall just said. Hey, guys, we have sponsored every single one of these children. And there are people on a waiting list, I think, who want, or not on a waiting list, maybe, but people who like, well, if someone drops out, we want to step in. There's a list of people who would step in because they waited too long, right? So, so when that type of stuff happens, listen, everybody, you have to step out of your Sunday morning slumber, right? That part of you that is, that is, that is struggling to stay awake with it. Like for us who have jobs to do on Sunday morning, we love you, but we're paying attention to our duties, right? I'm looking at my order of worship that Nicole Barlow's put together for me, and I'm like, okay, I've got these roles to play and these things to do. Harvest is like, okay, let's play all the, the band up here playing. Don't miss the G. Don't miss the G note, right? All this stuff going on. Hospitality is running around. All this kind of stuff. And you got, you got Josh and Hayden back here, right? Who are like, I go, oh, don't, don't make Randall and Steve mad. Push the right 
right button, right? Get it up on the screen. There's all sorts of stuff that's going on, right? And in the moment, we may miss the fact, Emmanuel, God with us, you might miss the fact that what happened when, when Randall shared, all the kids have been sponsored, all of us should have stood up an eruption of joy and clapping, saying, yes, God is with us. Look how people are looking outside of themselves. This is a moment of celebration. God, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about those in need. Oh, Jesus! Right? We celebrate the fact that it's about people who are in need and that we get to be the answer. Can I get an amen? Because, listen, selfish, innocent, innocent selfishness defines for us Christmas, but there has to be the shift. See, the great tension in that moment, too, is that there's a celebration that comes with that. It's not, oh, my gosh, i got to do this. It's so overwhelming. I've got so much to do, right? That's the world. That's not of the Lord. It's a celebration of things we get to do, God. We get to be Jesus, the hands and feet. It's a lot of work, but a celebration doesn't define that, that we've missed Jesus in the moment. How many of you get caught up in the gifts that you're giving, and you're so frustrated in it, you're overwhelmed by it, but in fact you've missed Jesus in the middle of it. And so all of a sudden now, it's you with people and not God through you with people. We have to have this shift of maturing, of this place of saying, yes, it's God with me, I celebrate, but God with me releases me to God with us, and I never miss Jesus to say, God, I want to, to, I've been blessed to be a blessing. Give more. The best of ourselves, not out of guilt, not out of duty, but out of the joy of the heart of Jesus. Listen, it has been a long week for me, right? Like I is a, this is a long week. Like I've, I have said, oh, Steve, you preached a message on worshiping fully and you're having a hard time even connecting with Jesus because of all the stuff and all the things that are going on, right? All the duties and all the responsibilities and all the frustrations and all the anxiety, all the things that are pressing down. And I'm, and I'm finding myself, even this morning when I went down to pray, God, God, I'm just desperate for your presence. I'm desperate to worship. God, I'm desperate to, to, for your movement in my life, to celebrate God and to give my life away and to give the best of myself. God, it's so hard. It's so hard, isn't it? We have to fight for that. Why? Because I love Assisi. He said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me sow pardon. Where there is doubt, let me sow faith. Where there is despair, let me sow hope. Where there is darkness, let me sow light. And where there is sadness, let me sow joy. That's the Christmas message, isn't it? I've received so that I can give. And we struggle and we fight for that. But it's the thing that we get to do. One story I see of them giving well was in the story of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2. If your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 2, I think it's starting in verse 1. I'm going to read this whole little section right here. Verse 1, chapter 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Hear this. He was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. 
But you, this is verse 6, he's reading a prophet, this is a reading scripture. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come, will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from then the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. That they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to his house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned and dreamed not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now this should be an interesting story for us really practical sense, right? Listen, we all know the story. We all, we've all seen these, these movies and stuff and the, the plays we've gone to see. What happens in those? Well, you know, the, the, the angels come and sing. The shepherds come. They bow down. Then like five seconds later, the magi come, right? We sing We Three Kings, right? These magi, these three magi come, and usually on camels, right? And they come on their camels, and they get off, right? And they have this glowing star above, right? And the animals are doing their thing. And they come, and they bow down, and they worship. They leave them the gifts, and then they have a dream, right? God's speaking to them. Don't go back a different way, right? So we, we celebrate. It's a beautiful part of the story. But it's always interesting to me, number one, that Matthew never says that there are three magi. Never in Scripture does it say there are three. In fact, in verse, in verse 3, a second ago, when it said this, it says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. The, some theologians tell you that, they were, that all Jerusalem was disturbed because there was, such, there was such a large number of magi who had come, maybe hundreds of them who descended on this town together. Now, nobody knows for sure, but some theologians say that's why they were disturbed, right? And so there were maybe lots of magi who came. And it's always interesting to me in verse 11, it tells us, says that they, on coming to the house, right? Which meant, you know, we're so used to the Magi coming the morning of, but they didn't come the morning of, the day of. They probably came some weeks after. Like they probably saw it the day he was born, the star, and then they came. And Jesus, why? Because Jesus was in a house. He wasn't in a cave, which is what barns were and stables, the manger, right? He was, no, he was probably literally, he was in a house. He had moved, he had shifted from that to, to a house. And so the Magi probably came weeks afterward, right? It's also interesting to me, what it, <laughs> who in the heck are the Magi, right? Like, we've been told that throughout season, like, like around 300 AD, they began to call them kings, but they weren't kings. They were Magi, right? Magi literally uh, were, they were basically... They were non-Yahweh-worshipping people who were akin to the people that were opposed to Daniel. Remember back in Daniel's time, you had the sorcerers and the magicians and all those people who would come in and they were serving the king, doing their thing? That's what the Magi were. They were these people who had all of these writings. They dealt with the future. They dealt with magic. They dealt with sorcery. They basically dealt with astrology, like looking at the stars and reading the stars, right? And so these these were what we would call, in today's age, pagans. Very much pagans, non-Yahweh, God-worshipping people, right? And so it's so fascinating to me, this beautiful part of our story, that we celebrate the gift of the Magi, and we never focus on the reality, why did they come, how did they know, and who are they? 
And why is such a, uh, and why did God, why did God do that? Because I don't know about you, but the last people I would have invited to Anna Catherine's birth or Sarah's birth were a bunch of tarot card reading people who were trying to come and read my daughter's future. That's not who I would have invited to come to my birth. They're birth of my girls. But God saw fit to say these are the perfect people to come. I want the tarot card reading, the palm readers to come to my child, my son's birth. They are the perfect candidates to come. And all of us should start getting offended because this is not how we act. This is not who we would invite. And this does not seem very holy of God. And we should begin to question, then why did he bring the Magi? The first thing I want, this this is the thing I want you to recognize as we come into this. The beautiful truth is, don't forget, God with us involves the entire world in the midst of the brokenness and the lies that we believe that they're living in today. And those us in that day and age represented the Magi. It represented the Magi. These people who are opposed to everything that we believe to be true. So the first thing I want you to recognize, Jesus' gift is for pagans. Now, I use that term, but I want you to recognize this term is a little out of date for our culture. Very, uh, right? It's, or it's, if we use it today, it's some mean old pastor standing up front in some derogatory term talking about people that you should never interact with and be in relationship with, right? But, but we talk about it in such a way that pagans simply represent those who did not worship the God that they worship, right? So here's the deal. In Roman culture, Christians were considered pagans because they did not worship the, 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 the other, the, the Roman gods. And so, so pagans, there's anybody who's not worship the God that you worship. And so in this day and age, you have the Magi. They are just modern day pagans who do not worship the Jewish God. But something happened in the midst of their paganism. Jesus revealed himself to them as Emmanuel, God with you. And we can't miss this, that Jesus showed up, right? We don't know the full story of the Magi, right? We're not completely clear on exactly who they are, right? Their astrology, their magic, their books, right? All the things that they would reference that, that, that reference the future. Obvious, but we know that somewhere in the midst of this, they're reading the Old Testament. They're reading the Old Testament and and God is speaking to them and bringing them to the, to the feet of, the, of God. It was skin on as a baby, and they bow down and they worship him. They bow down and they worship him. God with the pagans. And I don't want you to miss then that Jesus gave them the gift of his presence. It was interesting. He, he, he brought the, the shepherds, the local thieves, to the, to, the, to the manger. And he brought the tarot card reading astrologers to the feet of Jesus. And every other good Christian or every other good Jew did not come. Isn't it interesting? The very first people who came to worship Jesus were probably these Jewish thieves and non-Jewish Gentile pagans. And what does that speak about the selflessness of a God wooing broken 
people to him and making his birth about those who were furthest and farthest away from him. And so are you picking up, right, the selflessness, the maturing that we take then is there's an innocent selflessness that we make Christmas about us, and that's fine. But do we recognize that the gift of Jesus first came to those who were furthest away from him, and Christmas became about giving his, the best of himself to those who were farthest away? And then how does that compare with me? And my Christmas. Second thing we see is that Jesus' gift is for those who are looking. Isn't it interesting? Matthew contrasts the eagerness of the Magi, despite their limited knowledge, to the apathy of the Jewish leaders and the hostility of Herod's court, despite them having all the scriptures that we see they referenced to see where he was going to be born. Do you see that? You had all these good God-fearing people, supposedly, who were never aware of Scripture, who were never actually looking for Jesus. They all knew he was supposed to come and be born in Bethlehem. But there was no preparation. There was no plan. There was no thought, right? There was no looking for the gift. There was no looking for the gift. There was no looking for Emmanuel. There was no looking for God in the moment, right? They were so involved in themselves, they totally missed it. And so God gave himself to the ones who were looking and the most desperate. Listen, in the story, right, you see this. The Magi with the Old Testament in hand knew a king was coming and were waiting, listen, and looking expectantly like the wise virgins who are preparing for the coming of the king. Listen, the, the, I've told you before, but the, 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 what is it, the 12 wise virgins, or, I don't know how many it is, 8 wise 10, I don't know what it is, right? Half of them were, had, their, 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 had enough oil in their lamps, the other half didn't. That's a Christmas story. Advent is about the, is preparing ourselves for the coming of the king. Right? The Magi were prepared. However, Herod, who deemed himself the king of the Jews, was not looking for the, for the king of the Jews. Not looking for Emmanuel, right? And the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they knew all the Old Testament. They knew all about the coming of Emmanuel, but were never prepared. They were never looking. Jesus revealed himself. To those who are looking. Remember, Scripture tells us, those who seek shall find, and those who knock, the door shall be opened. This week, God, I'm so aware of my disconnect from you. I'm so aware, God, of my busyness and my schedule. I'm so aware of the hecticness of all the things I have to do on my to-do list, God, that are so overwhelming. But Jesus, I'm fighting for your presence. I'm fighting for your peace. I'm fighting for your fullness. I'm fighting to be awakened to your fullness. Why? Because number three, Jesus' gift resulted in others giving gifts. Jesus' gift resulted in others giving gifts. On Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says, On coming to the house, right, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They say they have come to worship him. Listen, the attitude of the Magi in the presence of the baby was the proper attitude in the presence of God, right? They Listen, they prostrated themselves before the baby in lowly worship. They opened their treasure chest. They offered gifts. They gave the best of themselves, gold and frankincense and myrrh of, of 
unbelievable value, they formed this generous gift that was suitable for the king. See, the beautiful piece is that when we are looking for God, when we live our Christmas season looking for God, fighting for worship, fighting for his presence, spending less of our time and our energy and our money and resources at things that don't, that don't gratify, that don't satisfy, that don't last, and, and giving more, right, of what we've received. See, you can't give what you have not received. And the fullness of giving more this Christmas season, what he's saying is, yes, there is this beautiful piece that my gift is for all. My gift is for you. I want you to be looking for my presence. I want you looking for my fullness. I want you looking for the joy of, the, of Emmanuel. And then I want you, it's going to compel you like the Magi. Once, they, once, they've, once they've seen it, once they've received it, then they go and they give extravagantly. They give the best of themselves. So put all the pieces together. God with us. You've received it. You need to be looking for it. You now need to be giving the best of yourself. Yes, it's to your family. And yes, it's part of the Christmas holiday season on, on Christmas morning. That's your, that's your innocent selfishness. That's fine. But it should, if it does not compel you to give outside of yourself to the families around you, to the families in need, to all these things, all these children we're giving ourselves to at Christmas, or something outside of ourselves that I'm giving to the pagans, to those that are in need, who are unaware of who who Jesus is, but I know, and I know they need him because it's for all of us, God with us, that I need to be living aware and awakened 24-7, not just during the holiday season, but how Christmas is year-round of giving my life away always to those who are in need. Why? Because I've greatly received, now I need to greatly give. And we have to fight for sobriety, God, make me sober to be aware of those that are in need and giving away what I've received, right? The, this, this Abraham covenant was, I've blessed you, in Genesis 12, I've blessed you to be a blessing to the nations. Every nation that day and age was pagan. So I give the best of myself to you with the expectation of you giving it away to those who need it most, including the pagans, because I've modeled for you that those were the very first ones that I went to. I showed them the star. How's all that work? And how did that happen? Nobody knows. All we know for, for sure is that God revealed himself to them. And they recognized because they were looking for it. Giving more. I want you to contemplate it this season. God with us, Emmanuel, right? I want us to be a people who are looking for people to give ourselves to, right? Who are always looking to receive the gift from Jesus, right? So that we have something to give. And third, that we are, we are giving gifts, good and worthy gifts that are worthy of the king, right? Because me loving my neighbor is my way of loving God. My giving gifts to those that are around me, giving my time, my money, my energy, my resources, the best of myself to someone outside of myself, it's my way of loving Jesus. And we want to be people who are doing this. I want you to pray into what does it mean to think about giving different, giving gifts differently? What does it mean to change how I give gifts? Not throw away gifts. Instead, 
something that is lasting, something that's life-giving, something that's modeling Jesus, right? If you've got your Advent calendar, there are so many ways in there this week I want you to go through. If you're going through a different Advent calendar, there are so many ways of, of giving more. I want you to embrace them. I want you to pray to as a family. I want you to recognize ways that you can give, not just to the families that you're investing into here and giving gifts and that kind of stuff, but out, things outside of that. Every day in your workplace, every day at Walmart, every day that you're driving and doing things. Being aware of what does it mean to give the best of myself to those that I'm around. Remember, giving more is best defined by giving our best. The scripture says that we do this by doing all things for the glory of God. See, this is what we're getting at. about. It's again about worshiping, isn't it? Giving the best of myself actually is worship. I'm loving you, God. I'm worshiping you, God, by giving the best of myself to those that are in need. Because I've so gratefully, so grace, gratefully and, and overwhelmingly received from you. And God, this Christmas, I can't wait to take this $300 now and not focus on myself, my innocent selfishness. I want to begin to focus on other people and people that I love and people that I'm around. And I want to begin to sacrificially give to them and celebrate that as a defining characteristic of my life. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we come into this time of worship and Father, we invite you to come and to have your way with us. Father, we just confess that it's very easy in this season to get wrapped up in the schedules and the to-do lists and all that kind of stuff, God. We, we are aware of it. We know that you are too. So we're asking Jesus for grace this morning. Help us, God, to receive the gift, to look for it, to receive it, and to give it well. Even today, Lord, I pray as we're in worship that you just begin to speak with direction into us, ways to give, ways to worship you. Father, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.